Hello, and welcome to Mr. Information, the podcast for gents and ladies who love cool trivia. We're your hosts. I'm Josh. And I'm Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey, Josh. So we're going we're gonna to see how this recording turns out. We're testing, you know, a little remote audio right now, right? Yeah, it's hashtag work from home. Yeah, we are hashtag working from home. Um, how how you doing on supplies over there? Uh, we're pretty well stocked. Okay. Uh, we got a basement freezer. It's got a lot of food in it. Uh, got lots of toilet paper. You guys got on toilet paper? Mm, we're we're getting to good. Getting to good. That's important. It kind of all disappeared like the weekend we were at Geek Bowl. That seems that like a problem. A whole year ago. Yeah. Um, but. In terms of in terms of timeline right now, it's it's the night before April first, so here we are recording. Um, I don't think we have to worry about dating ourselves too much. Misinformation has a lot in the they got a lot in the can already. Sure, they've banked sure. a bunch. Um, so you know we'll see how well they hold up. It'll be fun. Yeah, tomorrow should be similar to today. So, but for them, who can tell? Who can tell? Uh, but I heard you got something else in your stockpile. You're going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, well, you know, in these these trying times, uh, one of the things that uh, people like to stock up on and, and use are uh, our favorite dried legume, beans. Because I saw tiger, now I understand. I saw tiger. So today I would like to present uh, beans, uh, a story in three parts. Uh, part number one, that's not a bean. Part number two, that's a bean. And part number three, that's a bean? Uh, real quick, before we get started, um, I would like to give a, a very warm and thank you to all of our listeners who have uh, checked in since the last episode. Chris K., Eric S., Kathleen B., Celeste A., and Germ. Um, shout out to all you guys and gals and uh, whoever for uh, for reaching out to us Um since our last episode, this is very kind of you. Yeah, that's great. Uh, all right, so let's get into it. Part number one, that's not a bean. Uh, coffee. You, you heard coffee. We talked about that last time. Yeah. And, not a bean. Okay, I was going to say, frequently referred to as a coffee bean. Referred to as a bean. Um, it's just the seed of a fruit tree. It's, yeah, uh, that makes sense. It's called a coffee cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's the inner seed of a, of a fruit, so not a bean. Uh, cocoa. Okay. Heard that's cocoa beans. Gotta be a bean. It's not a bean. It's in the oh category. That's goodness. not a bean. Wow. So again, that's a, that's a seed, um, from Theobroma cacao. It's a, a, a cocoa tree. Um, mm-hmm. finally, uh, in this category, vanilla. Okay. Vanilla, I not think, a bean. Man. Now, I know you're just say, keep getting it. It's, it's kind of shaped like a like a green bean or something, right? Yeah, it's just sort of turned you know dark over time. But no, it's not a bean. It's a it's a seed pod of an orchid, actually. Okay. Um, of a, a viney orchid. So uh, this concludes the section. That's not a bean. Oh wow! What a great a great segment. Yeah, it's just really important for me to get that cleared up before we start because uh, there's a lot of you know fake news out there vis a vis beans. Uh, okay. So for so, all those people who stockpiled vanilla beans heading into I mean, this. Great. Delicious. <sighs> yeah. Great for cakes. Make but some homemade ice cream. You can't just you can't just whip those up with some rice or whatever. <laughs> you cannot. No. I mean you I guess you, you could. could try. You shouldn't. Probably shouldn't. Yeah. Very expensive rice. Mm-hmm. Uh okay. So we're talking about beans and uh this legumes, as I mentioned or the Fabaceae family, um, which is what we're going to be talking about. Um, important in agriculture for lots of different reasons, but um, also very specifically for uh, the, the nodules at, in the root system um, that contain nitrogen-fixing bacteria, which helps uh, agriculture keep soil productive um, mm-hmm. through like uh, crop rotation, things like that. Um, that's probably something that you've heard about in yeah. just school. Um, Julia and I you- actually, I'm trying to think of where we were. We just learned all about this the way uh i think it was native americans planted some of their crops was they'd put down mm-hmm. corn and beans and there was one other and i'm not remind squash squash 
Yeah. Yep. Plan them all together because they all sort of mutually help each other out with the yeah first peoples in the U.S. Yeah. What became the U.S. Uh, yeah, did that and uh, it was it was great. Um, so one of the things, um, just as we're on the topic, um, there's a really interesting book called The Alchemy of Air by Thomas Hager, um, which is about the nitrogen fixing process, not in plants, but in um, the chemical world to use for fertilizers and also other things. It's a very interesting book. Um, cool. In uh, agriculture and in food, dried beans are also called pulses. Uh, and the United Nations International Year of the Pulses was 2016. So that's something to know. Yeah, I've never heard of that. No. Uh, the genus now, so we're talking about the family, so talking about the genus. So these are things that are, um, these are beans. These are things that you know about. Uh, regular beans, so that's uh, phasolus. Um, white beans, navy beans, red beans, uh, black beans, um, also including wax beans, uh, kidney beans, runner beans, lima beans, pinto beans, all those buddies that you know about, your mm-hmm. favorite buddies from the shelf in the, in the grocery store. Sure. These are your regular beans. Um, something to be aware of, there is a toxin in kidney beans called phytohemagglutinin, uh, which is, uh, can be removed by you know, long soaking and, and, and heating them to some temperature that I suggest you look up online hmm. so that uh, we do not get sued for giving false uh, food advice. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I just buy them in the can. Yeah, those are fine. I assume, yeah, they figured it out. Um, people have had uh, trouble though using slow cookers because I guess they don't get hot enough sometimes. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, peas, also beans. Okay. So genus Pisium, or Pisium. These are your garden peas, your sugar peas, your snap mm-hmm. peas. Mm-hmm. Um, so still in the bean family. Uh, also, uh, Vissiae. Uh, these are your broad beans, fava beans, beans that need peeling. Um, and this was actually part of the inspiration also for this topic. Fava beans are used to make a dish uh, in Egypt and uh, really throughout the Middle East and Africa. that's um, been around for potentially thousands of years. Um, it's a stew uh, with cumin as a major flavoring ingredient. Um, and it's called ful madamas. Hmm. This is all good so, to know for those uh, world cuisines. Mm-hmm. That's coming up. Yeah. In Learned League. On Learned League. We're excited for that. Kicks off Pumped. tomorrow. I hope you registered. Listen to this first, I guess. Before. Yeah, please yeah. listen to it first. Don't cheat. Yeah, don't cheat. But maybe uh, we'll help you out. All right. Also, uh, soybeans. So these are in the glycine uh, genus. Uh, lens. You want to guess what uh, what type of bean is in there? That genus, lens. Lens. I do not have a guess. It's the lentil. It's the oh, lentil. okay. All right. You again doesn't have bean in the name. No, but bean. Yeah. Still bean well, territory. Wasn't uh, just wasn't wasn't jumping around in my head like a Mexican jumping no. bean. Is that a bean? Exactly. Okay. Not a bean. Not a bean. Wow. Um, that is in a. Uh, I was looking that up actually. It's a. Uh, seed of a tree um, that is not in the bean family, but it is in the rose order or whatever it is. It's a little bit higher than that, so it's it's a little bit further up on the tree, um, but not uh, not in the bean family. So okay. not a bean. You ever have one of those? I had one as a kid. Yeah, it jumped yeah. around for a while, and then uh, a little hole opened up and it didn't jump anymore. Huh? Yeah, they're fun. All right, uh, two more. There's two more left. Two more uh, genus. Uh, Sizer, that's your chickpea. Okay, just uh, it's a Pokemon, also. Okay, yeah, that's true. Different. <laughs> um, and Vigna, which is uh, your mung bean, your Izuki bean, uh, cow peas, which are also called black-eyed peas. Okay, uh, in this genus, um, and also asparagus beans are also known as uh, Chinese long beans. Hmm. So those are all in in the Vigna. Wait, you're um, saying asparagus is a bean? No, just okay. It's it's asparagus bean. I've ne- okay, okay. It's very different. Um, I did learn about adzuki beans, that those are called red beans, I think, mm-hmm. and they're native uh, in, in the places where those are a little more common. But if you go to the grocery store and you just buy some red beans, you're different. probably getting, I think, like a 
Yeah, that's that first one again. It's the um, Phasalus uh, okay. genus, which is the same as it's red beans in that sense, navy beans, black beans. Those are all they're all just different cultivars of the same yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, you're right that the uh, the red beans, which are used in um, if uh, germ germ, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. uh, in shave ice in Hawaii. Yeah, um, you can get uh, red bean paste in the bottom of your uh, your shave ice sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a sweet thing. Uh, Japanese uses it a lot in um, Japanese cuisine for uh, for bean type stuff, and it's can be more of a sweet thing. Yeah, um, and they are red and they look similar, but they have a um, the azuki beans have like a vertical line on their seam, mm-hmm. white line on their seam. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other red beans, the American or whatever kind yeah. are uh, more round. I'm trying to think here. I'm going to look up where that red bean is from. Hold on. Get it. Okay. I looked up. If you just click on the disambiguation on Wikipedia for red bean, I think you just get kidney bean. Interesting. It's all the same family. Yeah. The same genus actually. But yeah, Indian and North American cuisine, such as chili con carne. And red beans and rice. Huh. Red beans and rice is my favorite. Yeah. That's my jam. People don't know what's coming when you say that, though. No, because you think, oh, it's someone put some rice and some red beans together. No, no. But no, there's more to it than that. There's sausage. There's onions. There's uh, Worcestershire sauce, I think. Mm-hmm. Probably. It's good. Uh, okay. So that takes us out of that's a bean territory. And yeah. now we're moving into that's a bean so I hope you're ready for this. This is really the heart of the episode. Okay. For me. Okay. Maybe I was trying. I was trying to. I was trying to get ahead of this segment when you said like asparagus bean. I, no, I should have been. No, ready. that's that's all that normal stuff. This okay. Is, this is what this is going to blow your mind. Okay. All right. These are things that are in the bean family, but you might not know about as being a bean family plant. Mm-hmm. All right. Number one, peanuts. Okay. You might have known yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's that's for peanuts aren't really nuts, they're legumes. That's where your mind starts opening up when you find out a peanut is not a nut. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really bends that spoon. Yeah. Uh sweet pea, which is a flowering plant you see on roadside sometimes. Um, okay. Possibly in gardens. I think it's somewhat invasive, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um that's a bean. All right. Well if a pea is a bean. Sure, it's in the name. Sweet pea can but be the a names bean. can be deceiving. Okay. Yeah. Um Honey locust uh, and black locust, which are some of those trees that you see that have the black pods hanging down from them. Oh, okay. Those are beans. Yeah, all right. Uh, similar to that, uh, tamarind, which uh, you may have uh, seen tamarind paste in um, mm-hmm. some Middle Eastern Indian cooking. Um, it can be sort of sour or sort of sweet, depending on exactly how it's uh, processed. Uh, that's a bean. Yeah, that's like a... Hmm. Trying to think if I've ever seen it or if I just see it as a, yeah, like a gelatinous blob. It's it's an ingredient in uh, Worcestershire sauce and HP sauce, apparently. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of the flavor components that you'd find in there. Yeah, and I've heard it's one of those it's one of those things where like if you get a tamarind candy or something like it's it's not for our palates. No, I've heard. It's, no, we'll uh, get back to that later. I don't think I've had it, but I uh, remember what I said about chocolate. Okay. Yeah. There's a bean for that. Mm-hmm. Carob. Okay. Yeah, that's it's the popular... Used to make bad chocolate substitutes. Yeah. I think it... Is it even like... Is it also even like less healthy than chocolate? Possibly. Is that the secret they're not telling? I feel like I picked up a pack of cookies once that were, you know, vegan, carob chip. You know, the whole, yeah. the whole nine. Um, and they were like... You know, I'm just I'm just making this up, but like 150 calories per like little chips ahoy sized cookie or something like that, and I was like, oh, jeez. Yeah. No, it's under um, the lengths you got to go to to replace some of these things. <laughs> Tricky. Uh, so also uh, in the the that sort of family is uh, locust bean gum. Have you ever heard of that? Hmm. Okay. I've seen it in some in some food. It's like a thickening agent. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can picture seeing that near the end of the ingredients yeah. list. That's a bean. Huh. There's what a bean. That? Uh mimosa. Um, well that's which, a drink. Well that's a drink, but there's also there's a couple different things that it is. Okay. Um there's mimosa pertica. Mm-hmm. 
which is a plant. Uh, it's called the sensitive plant. Um, I don't know if you've seen one of these. Uh, they're very cool. If you uh, touch one, the leaves are sort of, they sort of fan out. Um, and if you touch it, um, they all fold in on each other really quickly and sort of droop down. Yeah, I think maybe I have. They're cool. Um, yeah, they're, they're very cool. Uh, there's also Mimosa tenuiflora, um, which is a plant that produces uh, dimethyltryptamine, or DMT, no. which is a psychoactive drug, um, similar to what's found in uh, ayahuasca, huh. if you've ever heard of that. You so that's uh, fun. Listening to Joe Rogan lately, or <laughs> no? I mean, yes, and uh, also uh, mimosa is also kind of tree. Um, it's uh, also known as acacia. Mm-hmm. All these are beans, by the way. I'm not sure if I made that clear. Yeah, no, this is the bean. This is, this the, is the bean. The I can't believe it's a bean. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so mimosa is a is a tree. Um, it also, uh, uh, acacia, um, it produces, uh, wood, but also gum Arabic, which you may have heard of, mm-hmm. um, from the sap. That's another, um, sort of, uh, thickening type of yeah. thing. Um, also guar gum, mm-hmm. comes from a, a bean. That was the first thing that came to mind when you were talking about that locust bean gum. I said, yeah, well, surely go. a guar can't be yep. a bean too. No, it's a bean. It's a bean, baby. Wow. Um, acacia is also known as the wattle or wadle tree. Wattle? Wadle? Hmm. Um, which sounds very familiar to me for some reason. I can't put my finger on it. It has something to do with weaving. Okay. Uh, remember when I said about coffee? Uh, it's not a bean. Uh, well, there is a bean for that, though. And there is a bean for that. Okay. Uh, there's the Kentucky coffee tree. Hmm. Which, uh, similar to chicory, um, was used as a coffee substitute. Um, it's also uh, a wood useful in woodworking. That's a bean. Wow. It's apparently not very good. Okay. But, you know, you take what you can get. Sure. Uh, hey, honey. Are you feeling lucky? That's right. White clover is a bean. <laughs> okay. It's. Oh. Okay, like they make yeah. honey when you, you see clover honey in the store. That's a bean. That's a bean. That's a bean. Well, the honey's not the bean. The honey, but the, the it's plant. from beans. It's okay. it's from bean white clover and also alfalfa, which are both used in uh, as cover crops or as crop rotation type stuff. Um, both beans. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Alfalfa. I mean, you call them sprouts. Yeah. But that's short for bean sprouts. For bean sprouts. Wow. Yeah. Uh, kudzu. Ooh. which is also known as Japanese arrowroot, um, an invasive species uh, vine in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, which uh, we don't really have around here, but um, certainly they have uh, more in the south and, and west. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a bean. Wow. Uh, also broom, which is a, a flowering plant, which is also invasive, which I don't think we have around here either, um, but that's a that's a bean. Huh. Yeah. That one I've not heard. Of. I've heard of kudzu. Yep. Uh, lupins. It's a flower. Okay. Sort of a tall flower with a, a, a tall stalk with a bunch of flowers around it. Um, sort of a conical thing. Um, that's a bean. Wow. Uh, you like uh, you like barbecue? Yeah. Mesquite? That's a bean. Wow. I thought that was a wood. Well, it's a wood, but the, the wood is in the bean family. Okay. Uh, other woods, uh, rosewood. Okay. Uh, Brazil wood. Sure. These are all beans. Hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of a redbud tree? No. Well, it's a, it's a sort of a ornamental type of tree that uh, people put in their gardens. Okay. Um, that's a bean. That's a bean. Remember what I said about vanilla? Yeah. Not a bean. Good. Remember that. That's not a bean. Sure. Uh, rubus, which is a herbal tea. Okay. Yeah. You heard of that? Uh-huh. That's a bean. Huh. Uh, speaking of, uh, tasty, uh, sweet snacks that are not for our palate, uh, licorice, hmm. licorice root, um, more specifically the, uh, the sort of salted licorice that you get in Scandinavia. I, okay. I not care for that. Um, but the licorice plant itself. I'm trying to remember. Uh, we were in the Reykjavik airport and we were 
you know, thinking about whether we should dare ourselves to buy some of the licorice that's super salty or whatever. And I, yeah, we did not. I've I tried some once. I've it tried was, a lot uh, of foods, but <laughs> I know when I'm beat. I don't know. All right. I got one more here for you. Yeah. What are you, uh, what are you wearing? Uh, okay. Well, what kind of pants you got on right now? I got, I can't see his pants. You're right. I, I am wearing the, uh, Mack Weldon Ace sweatpant. Uh, okay, use, this doesn't work. Use offer code. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you were wearing blue jeans, mm-hmm. uh, Indigo. Okay. Indigofera tinctoria is the name of the plant. Um, that's actually a bean. Huh. Isn't that wild? That's that's what makes them blue? That's what, what makes think? them... Well, not these days. It's it's made uh, artificially, but... Um, that's what made them blue. That's what made them blue, baby. Nice. So and that's that's my uh, that's my quick and dirty on beans. Yeah, that was good. I mean, thanks. I'm just we're just rolling with these food topics, you know. Yeah. And I I'll admit I was having some trouble coming up with you know what am I gonna what am I gonna do my subject on? Nothing was really coming to mind. Uh, but you said beans, and I thought, well, how about rice? How about it? I don't really know that much about rice. Um, this isn't supposed to. This is supposed to be a podcast that's easy to do. Uh, so I thought, well, rice, rice. What's related to rice? Um, well, there's there's Edgar Rice Burroughs. He wrote okay. Tarzan. He wrote John Carter on Mars. But um, I don't. I don't really know that much about him either. But it turns out his great grandson is Wes Anderson. What? So we are going to talk about Wes Anderson movies. Yesterday's misinformation was about movies, so we'll just keep it keep it rolling. I get to do a movie podcast too. So, have you seen any Wes Anderson movies? I'm sure I've seen several. I don't okay. think I've seen all. No, and you know what? I'll admit I I'm a fan of his, but I was going through this list and there's there's a few I'm I'm a little flimsy on, but that's okay. I mean, I don't I don't think. Uh, I don't think Julia saw every John Hughes movie before doing a topic sure. about it, you know? Some shade. So, it happens to be the great-grandson of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, so, he's a he's a writer, director, some would call him an auteur, sure. um, from Houston, Texas. And just to get this out of the way early, for, for any sort of movie or trivia questions regarding the Oscars, no Oscars. Okay. He's been around been in the game since 1996 but um that's kind of wild actually has a couple nominations but no no wins um some of his trademarks um include you know having very um ornately framed shots Mm -hmm. often centered symmetrical square square angles no Mm -hmm. no dutch angles he's not tilting the camera he may straight on he may start straight on a shot and pan the camera into another shot that is uh nice and lined up as well but uh no no twist in that camera um a lot of his earlier movies um ended with a slow motion shot at the end often with the camera pulling back sort of nice sort of nice way to wrap it up a lot of his earlier movies also feature always featured a rolling stone song um and probably the the biggest trademark uh bill murray is is in all of them He's a staple, except for except for his first movie. But yeah, since then uh, he's got a he's got to fit Bill Murray in there somehow. Um, so yeah, the movies there are ten. Well, there ten. will there will be ten, counting one that's coming out in July. Are you comfortable making that future prediction like that? I am comfortable saying that it will be at the very least released on video on demand. I don't think. This is not this is not a franchise that we really need the box office returns on, like a Fast okay. and the Furious or whatever, where they have to delay it in the next year. Uh, I think I think they'll be pretty happy to just put this one on VOD, and I'll pay the I'll pay the early access price for it, sure. whatever that is, twenty love bucks. That. Yeah, watch it at home; it'll be great. Uh, so yeah, so nine movies released currently with a uh, with a tenth one done, just. Uh, in the can, as they say. In the can. Uh, but the first one, 1996's Bottle Rocket. 
Um, this was, I think, kind of a kind of a low budget indie film. It starred all three of the Wilson brothers. Wow. We've got Owen, Luke, and Andrew Wilson. Um, hmm. Yeah, you don't you don't see the third one that much, but but they no. are all there. Um, you know, critically acclaimed for his for his first feature, but only made five hundred thousand um, dollars in the theaters. Uh, I think the the important trivia takeaway is that Owen Wilson plays a character named Dignan. I don't know any other Dignan. characters named that in in cinema. Uh, so that's that's what I know. Um, you hear that in audio cue. I think it's Wes Anderson. Yeah, i I think i i I think I watched this once in college or something. But I remember hearing about it. But I do not believe I've yeah. ever seen it. No. Uh, but I do remember that uh, if I could reference a real deep cut emo band, uh, Day at the Fair had a song called "And My Name's Dignan, So What," um, which is a line from the film. And incidentally, that was uh, released on an offshoot of Drive Through Records called Rushmore Records. There you go. And that's bringing us to film number two, Rushmore from 1998. Have you seen this one? I have seen this one. Okay. I mean, this is my favorite one, and it's probably a lot of people's favorite, I think. Um, stars Jason Schwartzman in his first movie, 17 years old, when they shot wow. it. Um, and, of course, Bill Murray. Sure. Um, I think this is the one. This is probably the one, if you're if you're a Geeks Who Drink or whatever, that's, if any Wes Anderson movie comes up, I'd say this is the most likely. This has had the biggest pop culture impact, Most I think. likely, sure. I could buy um, that. What are some things you'd know from this? I think there's a sort of one of the 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 pictures that gets like stylized and illustrated a lot is uh, our our hero Max Fisher sitting uh, in a go kart with a red beret and some goggles on. That's that's mm-hmm. the that's the Criterion Edition DVD cover. Uh, if you actually watch the movie, that is a that is a like that is a two second cut. Oh really? It's a it's a montage of you know all the uh, Max's big thing is that he starts a lot of extracurriculars at school uh, and sort of gives off the appearance of being a very competent student, but is actually a terrible student because he keeps founding clubs and writing. You know, he writes plays and and things. Um, So it's just a quick shot of you know that he started a go karting club and it's become one of the iconic images of the film. Um, it has a, uh, the, the opening scene, uh, which, which turns out to be a dream, uh, features his, uh, teacher, uh, has a problem written on the blackboard and says, you know, that's one of the hardest problems in mathematics. If anyone could solve this, I'll see to it. You never have to take another math class again. And he, you know, gets up and, you know, solves, solves the equation. But of course then, then wakes up. Um, but I've definitely seen some other shows do that. Yeah, I want to say regular show took it. I want to. Th- there's probably one other. Um, also bringing it, bringing it back to our music references. Uh, one of Max's lines, his, his sort of motto, he introduces himself to a teacher with is "Sick Transit Gloria, Glory Fades." There you go. Which yes, it's a it's a, it's a famous song by Brand New, uh, classic mid mid two thousands. Well, they had a longer run, two thousands to tens, yeah, emo band. Sure, they're still going. Are they? I thought I'm we kinda. saw. I thought we saw their farewell tour. Who knows? Um, this came up on a previous episode of Misinformation. By the way, I should I should note that Julia insisted on saying that the film is set in Houston, and it, no, it's not. Yeah, it it could be anywhere. It's any town USA. I got to call that out. Yes, it was filmed in Houston. Yes, the Rushmore Academy was a private school in Houston that they shot at. But like, it never comes up that it's Houston. It's yeah. So it's ambiguous. It's in any town USA. It's like saying you know Star Trek Two happened in San Francisco or or whatever. You know, I don't know. Well, it, it was I think Star Trek Four, but it did, it's fine. It's one for the on cinema heads out there. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Rushmore. It's a great movie. Um, Julia will also bring up, um, so here's, here's one of the things about, you know, early technology. You remember when DVDs were non-anamorphic? Like, anim- like if you stayed in the Eagle too long, you got stuck there? 
like they um it was a widescreen movie but the the black bars on the top and bottom would be baked into the picture right like they were there because it was formatted for a full screen tv but then when we all got widescreen tvs and tried to watch our dvds on them sometimes it would have the black then it would have those black bars on the top that were in the tiny little and then it would have them on the edges because it's actually showing a square picture and the the resolution in the middle of the screen where the actual movie was would be shot um that's how rushmore was released on dvd and so early on when julie and i were were dating i had purchased uh, rushmore was just released on a criterion collection blu-ray and it was like holy crap i can watch one of my favorite movies and like pristine quality now <laughs> like it's such a leap from the sure. from the terrible dvd to this blu-ray i'm like excited to i'm so excited to sit down and revisit this movie um and she said oh yeah i'll watch it i, I like funny movies or whatever and i put it on and she i don't remember she fell asleep specifically she's fallen asleep during a lot of these movies that we're going to sure. talk about but you know, she always kind of holds it over holds it over my head that like, oh yeah, Rushmore. It's such a fun. It's the funniest movie you've ever seen, and it's like, no, it's she's got tripping her shoulder. Sweet, about but sure. it's funny. But like, I don't know. I just I had to tell the story. It's a fun. Well, she didn't see it. She fell asleep. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. But Bill Bill Murray's so good in it. You know, I I love it. Um, but that was followed with. 2001's The Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, this is this is the first one of the movies that's really um, something you see from from Wes Anderson a lot. The ensemble cast. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking Gene Hackman, Angelica Houston, Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Gwyneth Paltrow, Danny Glover, and Bill Murray. Um, I think I've watched it once. I should revisit it. I think I did also buy it on Criterion Blu-ray. Probably, for, yeah. for that day that I do revisit it. I think one of the, the sort of um, enduring things about these is, is some of the costumes. I think uh, Ben Stiller and his uh, two his two boys all wearing matching uh, oh, yes. red Adidas uh, track suits. suits. Uh, yeah. If you're seeing that, you're looking at the Royal Tenenbaums. Or um, I forget which Wilson brother it was, but you know, headband with uh, blue and red stripes, white headband. Right. Long hair. That's that's another one of the sort of iconic costumes. Um, but yeah, I don't think this one was not the sort of average. The average movie score, movie re- review scores are on the Wikipedia page, and this, either this, one of these is the lowest one. I didn't write it down. Anyway, um, but you know. Uh, all, all these films are are cult classics i think looking back on them they've all got their fans but maybe the worst reviewed one was 2004's the life aquatic with steve zissou uh was that really the lowest i believe it was yeah um which starred in an ensemble cast bill murray uh kate blanchett willem dafoe jeff goldblum angelica houston michael gambon owen wilson um, but yeah, uh, I think this was my note on this mixed reviews, not great box office, uh, but another, another great, you know, iconic, uh, outfit for everybody. You got oh, that yeah. red, I love this movie, the red beanie hat, the light blue button up shirt. Um, and you got the, um, soundtrack full of David Bowie songs performed on acoustic guitar in Portuguese. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, which I don't know how to pronounce if it's too... S E U J O R G E. Is that I just say Sue George in my head. It's but that's probably Jorge, wrong. maybe. Say you Jorge. I I'm not sure. Someone can write Portuguese. in and tell us. Yeah. I think I remember again, remember watching this one in college. I think I think it was Oscar screener season, if you know what I mean. Okay. Um But uh I do remember that the we had a big crew of people really excited to watch it, and then they kind of dispersed. Okay, I and then I yeah. think I was the only one left, and then I think I fell asleep. That's fair. Again, probably own it on Criterion Collection Blu-ray. We'll we'll revisit, but uh. in the uh, in the before times, in the long yes. long ago, uh-huh. um, I, on when Laura and I went on our honeymoon, mm-hmm. um, on our way back, I believe the uh, the flight 
had just an infinite number of these movies on it. Okay. So I definitely watched this movie on the flight back and uh, enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, so anyway, um, next movie, Darjeeling Limited, 2007. Uh, this is not an ensemble cast, I would say. I mean, plenty of the regulars are in it, but Owen Wilson, Adrian Brody. There's like six people in that movie. Yeah. Um, Owen Wilson, Adrian Brody, and Jason Schwartzman are your your principal actors. If you Google this movie, every screenshot of it seems to have all three of them switched into every frame. Okay, yeah. Um, and the uh, the titular Darjeeling Limited is a train in India. It's about mm-hmm. them taking a train. And that's all I know. It seems like you might know more about it than me. I also watched this uh, on the flight back. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it uh, it's great. It's on a train. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts off trying to catch a train. And they spend a lot of time on the train. They get off the train. They go to like yeah. a temple for a while. Uh, they try to save a boy. It's a great. it's a romp. Yeah, but given given his whole oeuvre, I would say it's down to this one or Bottle Rocket for which one of these is least likely to come up in a trivia okay. in a trivia context. I don't know. I feel like it just doesn't doesn't quite have it. Compared to That's compared fair. to some of the others, um, but then there's 2009, his first stop motion animated picture, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Great movie, yeah, great movie, based on Roald Dahl's uh, 1970 children's novel, featuring uh, George Clooney in the titular role. Absolutely great job, um, Meryl Streep, and then you know some of your regulars: Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, Michael Gambon, Owen Wilson. Um, I think one of the scenes that has helped me most in a trivia context is there's a there's a bit near the end or maybe near the middle where um, Fox is trying to get everybody pumped up by talking about like how they're gonna they're gonna bring all the animals together and they're all gonna use their special talents right all their they, skills yeah and they all um, say their Latin names mm-hmm. and it's really helpful if you you know you've got lupus 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 vulpus vulpus uh, the other ones yeah the other ones i should have looked this scene up but it's it's helped me it's helped me pull some of these things before um so yeah definitely check it out i think it's a great like the the whole movie's got like the color palettes like a lot of like oranges browns like i think it makes Mm -hmm. it a great fall movie sure um but yeah and it's it's quick it's delightful etc it is delightful um so, getting back into the realm of uh, live action film, 2012 uh, was Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed this one quite a bit. Uh, two kids. So this is, but I I do think this kind of denotes a, a certain period in Wes Anderson history where he started to move in this and all the movies after it, where it's it's uh, he's sort of making the worlds now. Right. Like we talked about how Rushmore was kind of an any town USA situation, but it was still somewhere, you know. Yeah, this is getting into magical realism territory. Yes, magical realism territory. This is set on the fictional New England island of New Penzance. Uh so invented location. Uh sure. it stars a, a kid who's in it's not the Boy Scouts, but it's, you know, something else. You know, he's He's sub- substituted an alternative uh, reality yeah. for each thing um, and made it, you know, just a little bit more twee and perfect. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, this is, uh, let's see, this is the first movie where I think this is the only Wes Anderson movie with Bruce Willis. Uh, Edward Norton uh, then goes on great, to appear great. in a bunch more. But I believe this was also the first one where he appears. Uh, Francis McDormand as well as uh tilda swinton and of course bill murray's there um and the two kid, the the two kids who starred the movie i think were were pretty much like completely unknown at that point never been in a movie before and you know have not done too much since like they're i assume okay. going to school in college which they should sure. be and then they can figure out if they want to come back to acting i don't know um but the titular uh moves right moonrise kingdom is uh a cove that uh, our heroes Sam and Susie go to. Um, and then in the third act of the film, there's a 
big flood and Moonrise Kingdom is essentially no more, making it that perfect symbolic representation of their summer together. Right. Uh, it's a thing that was nice, but is now, you know, can never come back, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think uh, another thing is we were talking about getting more into the world of ra- magical realism. This is sort of where he's kind of stopped using pop music on his soundtracks entirely. Okay. Like they're kind of just all like scored at this point. Right, right, right. This one does feature the music of Benjamin Britten, who's like a... Uh, composes like a lot of cla- like he does like classical music for kids sort of yeah that Breaks was sort of down. one of the things of they had the the record player right mm-hmm. yep so you know i think he's come up in a trivia context for me before okay the young people's guide to orchestra um but i think that was kind of a it definitely gives your your 2010s wes anderson movies a, a different feel than the the 90s and aughts one because those would you know, there'd be like a lot of like a lot of like classic rock and stuff in them, but it, you know, gives it a very different vibe. Sure. Um, so you've seen this one? Uh, I believe I also watched that one on the on the plane ride. Oh wow! How long was this plane ride? <laughs> it was long. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Yeah. No, I like this one a lot. I think um, I read the ending is a lot sadder than everyone else I know did, and that's an argument we can get in on Twitter or whatever. I think the ending was very sad. So there. Um, but this was uh, followed by 2014's The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is by far Wes Anderson's most successful film. Uh, we're talking like $174 million at the box office. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Huh. That was big. Um, and this was his first nomination for Best Picture and okay. Best Director. I believe Moonrise Kingdom and... Royal Tenenbaums had both been nominated for Best Original Screenplay before, but these were this was the first one to get the big awards. Uh, there are the big award nominations. Didn't get the big awards. Right. Um, this one starred Ray Fiennes uh, and Tony Revolori and Saoirse Ronan in their first Wes Anderson appearances, as well as ensemble cast, all the regulars, etc. Of course. Uh, Bill Murray shows Bill up for like mix. two scenes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think Ray Fiennes got snubbed by not even not even getting nominated for this one. I think he's delightful. I'm surprised he wasn't in more things after it because I sort of I I could you know I saw this movie and I was like oh yeah we haven't seen Ray Fiennes and stuff in a while but this, this could be the start of a comeback. I don't think it was, but mm. he's great. Julia and I actually did go back and revisit this one the other night. She did fall asleep, but <laughs> I I had a good time. Um. But yeah, the 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 big takeaways for this, uh, he did get back to some of that sort of visual, uh, the costumes that are really distinct. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel had a purple uniform. That's right. Um, and the uh, the kid had the lobby boy cap, lobby boy yeah, written like the on it in the yellow letters. Yeah. Um, and uh, Saoirse Ronan's character has a birthmark, the shape of Mexico, on her face. <laughs> it's a very uh, distinctive thing. <laughs> Um, and yeah, no, we're, we're in the magical realism, uh, realm where this is kind of in like a world war sort of time period. Right. But, but it's in exactly. the, this is in the fictional kingdom of Zubroka. Uh, they're in the city of Lutz a lot there. There's a war like papers, please, where they've been invaded by the zigzag division, just sort of like your asset, you know, right. It's just like the opening line to the film is, is such a like dense, like, giving you the settings of all this stuff uh you know that is all completely invented uh just for the film but uh yeah um so then 2018 get back to the stop motion uh with isle of dogs which um have not seen that okay yeah it could be interesting to revisit right now because the whole plot is that the dogs are banished to essentially a trash island um outside of a major city because they are spreading canine influenza to people Hmm. the dog flu um yeah uh so but a kid whose dog was taken away pilots a little plane over to the island to try to find try to be reunited with his dog and eventually you know bring back dogs to uh 
think I believe it's called Megasaki. It is not Tokyo, but everyone does speak Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, which which does make for an interesting device uh, in that uh, you can uh, that the dogs in the movie all speak English, and that's where you've got you know Brian Cranston as your lead dog, uh, Ed Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Scarlett Johansson. They're all dogs, just speaking normal people English. It's all dogs, but all the actual hum- most of the actual humans outside of like Greta Gerwig and and Francis McDormand uh, all speak Japanese. So it's a fun twist that you can't understand most of what the humans are saying, but the dogs all make perfect sense. Um, This film also, uh, I think, notably features Yoko Ono as a character named assistant scientist Yoko Ono. (laughs) So she's not as herself, but she is a fictional version of Yoko Ono, who is uh, instead an epidemiologist. Okay. Um, And one thing that's kind of interesting about this movie is that uh, in 2012... There was a New Yorker article called uh, Does Wes Anderson Hate Dogs? Okay. Because I believe a dog dies in the Royal Tenenbaums. A dog definitely dies in Moonrise Kingdom. Like, it, I think a dog might die in uh, the Darjeeling Limited, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a common theme. Um, so, literally, this film is called I Love Dogs. I mean... Yeah. Is that just a response to, do you hate dogs? No. I love dogs. <laughs> I love dogs a lot, actually. Yeah. Let me show you about my love. Um, and then the 10th film, uh, this look for it on VOD this summer. I'm going to go ahead and predict that. Um, it's called The French Dispatch, or full title, The French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas Evening Sun. Oh, boy. Um which is, yeah, we'll be out this summer. Uh, interestingly, this is under the Searchlight Pictures label. So with with that Disney acquisition of Fox, we don't mm. have Fox Searchlight anymore. It's just... Like, it looks like they just cut the Fox part off of the, the logo. Right. Like, the, the thing with the, you know, the big gold Yeah, yeah, it's not there anymore. The, yeah, Fox just isn't there anymore. Uh, the other part of Fox is now just called 20th Century Studios. Okay. So it's kind of a weird thing, but you know, that that comes up sometimes when when things change names. Um this is this is going to be the most ensemble cast yet. The trailer is out. I'm still not sure how it holds together as a picture. Like it it looks like it's like a lot of like short stories or something like that. Okay. It looks like an anthology. Maybe it's um another another director or directors i'm a big fan of the coen brothers they had the um what was it called the ballad of buster scruggs on netflix yes yes and i think that was again i'm also a coen brothers fan but a bad coen brothers fan that i just haven't watched that one yet but <laughs> i i believe that's a bunch of you know stories sort of woven together with the central narrator and it would not surprise me if that is what this movie uh looks like because you watch the trailer and there are just so many people in it like fair enough probably you know everyone i've mentioned in all the other movies plus so many more there's literally a point where like after showing you know one shot of of each actor with their with their name under them you know going through a bunch of those real quick um it just cuts to a screen that's just almost entirely text (laughs) of other people who are going to be in the movie yeah um so yeah uh, I believe this will be his first time working with Timothy Chalamet and uh, maybe first Benicio Del Toro and yeah, everyone else is there. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'll I'll watch that at home. Sure. As it is. But um, yeah, so that is a run through of the films of Wes Anderson. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, that was great. Now, I understand, um, before we get to the quiz, we have a segment. Yeah, uh, I got a new segment uh, for 2020. Get my piece of paper here. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you know, I sort of want to get back to our roots a little bit. Sure. This is uh, inspired by uh, one of your previous uh, quizzes. Okay. I think. Um, so, new segment. It's called, In the Not-Too-Distant Past, Perfect. And uh, this is a segment where I tell you about a video game Easter egg that makes reference to beloved American television comedy series 
Mystery Science Theater 3000. Okay. Uh, so this year, uh, our first installment is the LucasArts 1995 sequel and full motion video rail shooter classic, Star Wars Rebel Assault 2, The Hidden Empire. Mm-hmm. So this is a game where you play as uh, Ricky One out on patrol when you get caught up in a rescue mission, which uh, reveals information on a new weapon the Empire is developing, the TIE V-30 Phantom, which is a TIE fighter with a cloaking device. Uh, so if you enter the cheat code, O-V-R-E-S, uh, it turns off the voiceover and the, the, the voice sounds. It turns on subtitles and a, uh, a silhouette of chairs with R2-D2, Darth Vader, and C-3PO's silhouettes appear on the bottom of the screen. Um, nice. Known as uh, Shadow-Rama in, uh, in the industry. Uh, and uh, the subtitles are changed to tell a very uh, self-aware story focused on the sale of boots at the mall, loofahs, and eating live shrimp. Uh, these subtitles are close enough to the original script in places that if you've actually played the game through in sort of the normal way, um, it's even that much more funnier than, uh, than just watching it by itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. Um, you can look this up on YouTube and you can watch the whole thing. Um, and you actually get the game uh, online on st- for 10 bucks on Steam. So if you want to go play it while uh, you're sitting at home. Cool. So that's my segment. Great segment. Great. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. quiz now. It's quiz time. So uh, keeping with our, our theme, um, I, I did my quiz about rice. What's your quiz about? My quiz is on Wes Anderson. Wes's and Anderson's. Oh, boy. I see what you did there. All right. <laughs> Question one. Named for a town in the Po Valley, what Italian grain of rice is typically used to make risotto? Question two. Simmer your rice and chicken stock for an hour or two, and you'll end up with what dish described as the ultimate Chinese comfort food? Question three. Juan Likes Rice and Chicken parodies Jiro Dreams of Sushi and Chef's Table in an episode of what IFC series? Question four. What adjective often describes a variety of black rice once reserved only for ancient Chinese royalty? Question five. Spam, a fried egg, and brown gravy traditionally top white rice in what rhyming Hawaiian dish? Number six. It's okay that we're out of toilet paper. Wesley Snipes rose from his ashes to teach us how to use the three seashells in what 1993 movie? Number seven, established in 1944 and operational in 1945, Anderson Air Force Base is an early riser, but mail you sent to its zip code 96929 takes longer than you'd probably expect it would. Where in the world even is it? Number eight, hey, you know football, right? Who is that wide receiver? He came out of Texas Tech but went undrafted in 2004. He wanted to play for the Dolphins, then for the Patriots for a while, and then the Broncos. I think he's a coach now. You know the guy. What's his name again? Number nine. By default, 90s kids will remember this Californian from co-founding one of the top eight spaces on the internet in the mid-2000s. And number 10. While we know of Roberts Wesleyan nearby, there are a number of learning institutions with Wesleyan in their name throughout the country and in fact the world. Don't keep it to yourself. What Christian denomination are these schools typically associated with? We'll give you a minute to think, and we'll be right back with your answers.
And we're back. Uh, I was trying to stump the buff there because you're kind of <laughs> you're a cooking guy. You know yeah. your rice. Yeah. Uh, Didn't know it all though. No. So let's go back through them. Uh, question one: Named for a town in the Po Valley, what Italian grain of rice is typically used to make risotto? I'm going with arborio. That is correct. Yes, it's arborio. Just just trying to think about rices I've seen at the grocery store. You know, sure. back in the days where we would go to the grocery store and I remember those times. Think of uh yeah. What what some of those crazy names are. Uh question two. Simmer your rice and chicken stock for an hour or two and you'll end up with what dish described as the ultimate Chinese comfort food. I have absolutely no idea about ah, this. Okay. Um I just I, I knew this was a dish, and I'm, I was trying to come up with some world cuisine-oriented uh, questions to try to try to get out ahead sure. of that. Um, but this is kanji. Okay. C-O-N-G-E-E, I'm okay. guessing. I, I think it may have a, di- a few different uh, pronunciations. Uh, but that is, um, it's like a rice porridge, and you really just make it by, like, like you you just simmer that rice until it bursts. You just cook it forever. Turns into a porridge. Okay. I've um, never had that, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know if I have either, but apparently, you know, depending on how you cook it, it could be it's apparently like it's a it's a very easy to digest food. So it's kind of like uh oh, sure. they're saying like early like it it could be a breakfast, it could be like an end of day kind of meal. Right. Um it's very easy, yeah. A late night snack. I don't know. Um, yeah, that that is definitely an interesting thing about like American breakfast versus elsewhere in the world of you know how sweet a lot of our stuff is versus sure yeah other places where it's like just have some rice. Just have, have some rice, man. You have rice every other time of day. I don't know. It doesn't need to be full of sugar. Uh, yeah. Uh, question three. Juan likes rice and chicken. Parodies Jiro dreams of sushi and Chef's Table in an episode of what IFC series? I believe that's documentary now. That is documentary mark. now. Have you watched any of those? I um, mean, I know I think, we've watched that one, but yeah, we've watched that one. Um, <laughs> I think I've seen a few of the other ones. I think Lauren Lauren likes this show, and and we've we've watched a few together. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when um. I saw some references to one from the most recent season uh, because there was a Learn League question about a musical called Company, and there was okay. a documentary made for that um, called Original Cast Recording Company, where they chronicled like one super long day of getting the cast to, to record the soundtrack album. Mm. And they did a, uh, a similar thing on Documentary Now for Original Cast Recording Co-op. A bunch of people <laughs> singing about the 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 building they live in. Uh, the fun twist is that, like an hour into the record, they find out the show's been canceled. They're not <laughs> doing it, and then they have to spend, you know, the next twenty four hours like recording the album for a completely relevant show. It's it's good. Uh, all right. Uh, question four: What adjective often describes a variety of black rice? Once reserved only for ancient Chinese royalty. I'm going with forbidden rice. That is forbidden rice. Yes. That was, uh, Julia suggested that one as I was trying to think of like what are more fun rice related things. Uh, since I, you know, three questions in, I resorted to a TV show question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you ever had forbidden rice? I, th- I think I bought some one time actually okay. i think i bought some in um pittsburgh oh cool it's from one of those um whatever that that grocery store that is down there we go to is mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know either it was good though yeah all right uh, i've never had any not allowed uh question five <laughs> spam a fried egg and brown gravy traditionally top white rice in what rhyming hawaiian dish man i i don't know i okay. i'm almost sure i've eaten this mm-hmm. once i think i've eaten this once too but it wasn't with spam i think it had like a hamburger patty or like hamburger meat on it or something okay I've, i think there's some hamburger variants out there uh but you don't have a guess uh, is it it's like tam tam or mm, no it is loco moco loco moco no no that wasn't in the old noggin not in the old noggin but hey if it comes up you'll have it there it is um 
yeah, trying to, I think I got this once at a place. I don't think it's open anymore, but the former uh, the soup spoon in College Town had okay, a lot yeah. of a lot of different sort of rice and noodle and whatever. I think that yeah, yeah. I think the main focus was Cambodian food, but they had some some stuff from all over that yeah. you don't. That place was very good. Yeah, that you don't get everywhere, and I don't think it's open anymore. It's not. Um, but I definitely remember ordering a loco moco and uh, enjoying it. That's great. All right, my turn. Yes. Uh, number six. It's okay that we're out of toilet paper. Wesley Snipes rose from his ashes to teach us how to use the three seashells in what 1993 movie? Boy, pre-Blade, I think like there are like two Wesley Snipes movies from this time period I could name. I don't know much about either of them. I don't know what seashells would have to do with either of them. So I'll just say New Jack City. That is incorrect. Okay. It's a demolition man. It is Demolition Man. It is Demolition Man. Oh, man. Uh, Wesley Snipes played a character called Simon Phoenix. Okay. Um, and uh, not he didn't actually teach us about the seashells, but uh, there's there's some you know internet pictures going around of, of the three seashells, which is from that movie, um, which uh, Sly Stallone wakes up to. He's, he's a cryogenic, freezed cop that uh, has to use the bathroom, and there's no toilet paper. There's just three seashells, and he doesn't know what to do with them. Okay. Was that the hint with the rise from the ashes? Was it? It was, yeah. Okay, you know what? I had that as the original guess, but then I was like, no, what would? I don't see seashells. I I just couldn't play seashells in it, so I went with the movie I know nothing about. That's hmm. kind of weird of you to change your first guess. Yeah, you're right. I didn't actually write it down, but All right, well, that which means down. I kind of forgot it. But some other guesses I did write down. So, all right, number seven. Established in 1944 and operational in 1945, Anderson Air Force Base is an early riser, but mail sent to its zip code 96929 takes longer than you'd probably expect it would. Where in the world even is it? Um, I have no idea, but since uh, you're doing a good job of context clues, early riser, I'll say that's in the land of the rising sun, Japan. Not quite. Okay. Uh, Japan does not have U.S. zip codes. Well, I presumably the army base, I guess, might the military. That's, that's a good point. The military one, military zip codes are crazy. That's fair. Yeah, um, it is on Guam. Oh, okay. Neat. I could have narrowed that down a little better of U.S. territory or something like that. Yeah, I don't really know anything about Guam. I don't either. They have a very cool flag. Uh, okay, number eight. Sure. Uh, hey, you know football, right? Who is that wide receiver? He came out of Texas Tech, but went undrafted in 2004. Wanted to play for the Dolphins, then the Patriots for a while, then the Broncos. I think he's a coach now. You know the guy. What's his name again? It's Wes Welker. Yeah, it is. Sorry, Wes Welker. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, and he's playing Boston. I do not know who this man is. Oh, boy. But uh, his name came up as a Wes, so there you go. Mm-hmm. He's a Wes. All right, number nine. By default, 90s kids will remember this Californian from co-founding one of the top eight spaces on the internet in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Is this Tom Anderson? It is Tom Anderson. Of MySpace? Yeah. All right. You Great. got it. Yeah. No, I figured out the theme. Yeah. Um, he turns 50 this year. Okay. So that's fun. Yeah. I mean... If he was around to make MySpace, he was definitely older than me. Yeah, that's that's true. Think about it. Hmm. All right. You know what? I want to go. I wish I could go back and find. I don't know if I can. Um, Steve and I, like in high school, there was a website that we had as kind of a a place to post pictures and funny quotes and stuff. And I remember, like, it was pretty high school focused. I remember posting to like the RIT. There was a RIT Live Journal community that uh, was there. I joined because um, there seemed to be people talking about going to college in it. Um, and I was like, "Hey, I have this website like for my friends to share like posts and pictures and stuff, but like it's pretty high school focused. Do you think it would be like would people like it if I made it like college centric and like?" 
just a place to like keep up with your college friends online and post pictures and photos and things. And everyone said no. So I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. I guess I won't, I won't make a place for my friends to stay in touch and post pictures and statuses and things. That's a really sad story, Josh. Oh, well. Well, I guess if you're really talking about the timeline, Facebook would have existed at that point, like, but like only for just barely, yeah, just like barely, for, like only for Harvard and stuff. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a psychopath, so that's I'm true. Sure, it wouldn't have worked out the same for me. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, Ed, that right. post exists on the internet. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Let's let's close this out. Uh, number ten. While we know of Roberts Wesleyan nearby, there are a number of learning institutions with Wesleyan in their name throughout the country and, in fact, the world. Don't keep it to yourself. What Christian denom- denomination are these schools typically associated with? All right. The hint is not to keep it to myself. That's a hint just for you. It's a hint just for me, and I don't know how to use it. That is not connecting to any. Verb, the spreaders, the, hmm. Nope, I'm, it's not clicking. Sorry, you tried to write it just for me. Uh, I'll just say Presbyterian. It is Methodist. Okay, now I see how it's for me. Uh, Do you yeah. want to explain why it's for you? Uh, it's a reference to a song um by a Portland, Maine rock band called Six Gig. You can find their uh, classic album, which turns 20 years old this year, Tin Can Experiment, on Bandcamp for free. Uh, and this is a reference to track one called Method. Um, it's it's an absolutely great rock album. They should have blown up bigger than they did. Check it out. And that's all I'll say about that. All of that was off the dome. Josh did not <laughs> search. There's no breaks in the recording. He didn't look anything up. <laughs> That's all just in his brain, folks. I go there to listen to it because it's not on Spotify. So I go to Bandcamp uh, when I there feel like listening to that album, which, uh, yeah, as as uh, as the clocks turned over into 2020, I was thinking about what are some classic albums that are 20 years old now. And that came up in my brain as, hey, this one could actually hold up. It's and very it good. We, we went and saw them live together, I think, with Smart Bomb. Oh boy! And uh, I remember buying their album and loving it. And I'm going to listen to it tomorrow, probably. It's good. It is good. Well, great. Well, anyway, that's been Mister Information. Um, I am going to edit it right now and put it online. And uh, yeah, this is going to be enjoy. this is going to be the shortest turnaround on a podcast I've ever had. So that'll be fun. It's great. Yeah, I believe in you. Thank you. So until next time. Bye. Bye.